In This Corner with Brian Campbell, instant analysis podcast of WWE Battleground. Here's the deal. It's past midnight on the East Coast. We're all tired. We just had to watch a three-hour snooze fest of a pay-per-view, so we are going to dispense with all the pleasantries. Handsome Nick Costos joined alongside the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and the man whose name is on the marquee, the Brian Campbell. And Brian, after the opening tag match, Battleground had a chance to go down as the greatest pay-per-view of all time. And then the rest of the card happens. Holy hell, that was terrible. Not only was it terrible, it was on a run, not to be the worst pay-per-view of all time. And for anybody that watches, listens to, watches, listen to me, listens to our weekly show, we're going to talk about 1996 WCW Uncensored. You want to talk about a bad pay-per-view and a bad main event? We'll get there on the Wednesday show. But this pay-per-view, this battleground, what a mail-in job. It had a chance. And I sent out a tweet right before this Punjabi prison main event that basically said, you know, we're on track for, for, for just ridiculousness, and the only thing that can save it is a Punjabi prison match right now, the main event. And if, and if you're relying on that to save it, good luck to you. I will say this, though, in the end. This main event, so bad that it was kind of good, it did not save the card, so let's not attempt anything like that. But did you go out on a somewhat high note did you leave this awful pay-per-view with at the very least a moment to remember where you're not ready to just call you know the 999 number and demand your money back I will say yes to that that's what I will say because it was a moment at the very least but this is a bad week WWE to have a mail-in battleground pay-per-view with really which we didn't really get into enough on last week's podcast to, to darn us on paper, just really not a card that jumped, not a card that buzzed, a lot of over and tired uh, rivalries that we didn't need to continue seeing, a lot of build-up to rivalries that were not strong, but specifically this week with the NJPWG1 and all the Mark fans going nuts on Twitter and all of the three of us here constantly texting each other like schoolgirls popping. This is the worst week to have a bad mail-in pay-per-view. They did that. Thank you for putting a tiny bow on the top, but this was slop soup served with a with a crusty wooden spoon. And uh, I, I'm not going to go to bed happy, but if I if you're asking me if I popped for a shirtless great Kali, well, let's not forget what I said last week, right? If Kali starts lumbering out there with the Punjabi red sweatpants Unreal. on, I will pop for that, uh, Dingus McGee. I will tell you that right now. I think I'd rather have another 9-11 reference made than see great Kali saunter out <laughs> to the ring on Sunday night. I do not have high hopes for the Punjabi prison match. And rightfully so, Nick. And outside of not getting the red sweatpants, we got a moment in the end, though. I'm going to go to bed finally tonight with a snooze next. And next, luckily, is SummerSlam. But, yeah. All right. So let's get into this here. This this main event, this atrocity of a main event here. And the reason why, Bri, you said, like, we didn't get into Battleground that much last week. Do you know why we didn't? Because we care about our listeners. Because we didn't want to pollute their ears with this crap when there was actually good stuff for us to You're talk right. about, and, you know, it's it's really funny here. We're gonna get Silver King's take on the uh, the main event, the ending, in just a second here. But as the match is going on, I'm thinking this is so bad. Like it was horrendous. You couldn't see. The action was terrible. It went on like 15 minutes too long. The only good parts of not only tonight's match, but all the Orton Ginger matches have been the Singh brothers absolutely bumping like their asses off, bumping like crazy. They have been the MVPs of this trilogy, if you want to call it that here, and they haven't even been involved in the match. But when the great Kali came out, I swear to God, I lost it. Like, and I was laughing. And it was a legitimate markout moment. And I actually 
thought for myself for a second. I think that this is so bad that it's actually good. And then the pay-per-view ended. And I was sitting there in front of the computer and I said, no, it wasn't good. It was funny because we had talked about how bad it was going to be. It was as if WWE, like someone sat in a room and said, you know, what is the worst way that we could end this pay-per-view? What is the way that we're going to send the fans home as confused and perplexed as possible? We're going to have the great Kali saunter out to the ring. He's going to barely touch the Punjabi prison. Randy Orton's going to sell it as if the tectonic plates have just shifted (laughs) underneath him and nearly fall to the ground. And we're going to have this absolutely horrendous and brutal ending. Like it wasn't so bad. It was good. Like, we can't have Stockholm Syndrome here and fall in love with our captor. It was absolutely freaking brutal, and it was an absolutely freaking brutal pay-per-view, Silver King. Oh, man. So, look, I, I, I kind of want to counter you here, but I know you're going to tear me apart, so I'm trying to pick my words properly and precisely here. But Just be let honest. Me, let me say this. The entire in-ring portion of that match was terrible. It was boring as sin because, as we've discussed before, Jinder Mahal sucks in the ring, period. But once that RKO, he reversed the Colossus into the RKO, once he did that and the interference started, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I was entertained. Now, it doesn't have to be good for me to be entertained, but I want to be entertained in the main event, and I was entertained. It was the best of their three matches. That's not saying much, but it was the best of the three. And what it proved to us again is that Jinder Mahal is just worthless as a champion. Randy Orton didn't do much in that match to get you excited, but Jinder Mahal did absolutely nothing. Jinder Mahal does his best work when he's on talking smack in front of a microphone, not when he's in a wrestling ring. And instead, WWE scripts his promos, scripts his matches all exactly the same, and we don't really get anything special. I will say this. The Kali return was fun. Um, and if it ends up leading to a faction, if Kali actually, whoa, actually whoa. makes multiple no, no, appearances no, 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 here? No, 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 <laughs> and, and one of the guys that we work with, Joey Levin, shout out to Joey, texted me and said, I think that this faction might be cool. And I wrote him back and I go, Joey, what, have you been smoked and bloody? Like, have you been drinking? Ginger can't really talk. The great Kali can't walk or talk. And all the Singh brothers do is take bumps. You're, you, want, you want a 20-minute no. SmackDown opening with, with these four in the ring? You got- I'm, not saying I wa- I'm not saying I want a faction. I'm just saying it would be interesting if there was a faction. That's all. It would be better. It would be a little bit better. I got, all right, let me say two things quick here. Number one, I didn't hammer it down uh, uh, enough in the beginning because like, I did pop for Kali. That, that's it. But let's not let Kali cover up from the fact that this is the worst pay-per-view of 2017 for WWE by far to almost comical, laughable conditions. But let me just say this about Kali coming out. What would have been the over-under in 2017, the great Kali, three years removed from his last WWE appearance, 10 years removed from winning the World Heavyweight Championship in that last short window that he was like a viable, you know, like a viable threat, like somebody that wasn't just the stiff El Gigante part two, right? What was the over-under that in 2017, age 44, he would come out without a shirt, Right. And actually looked kind of okay, except for that sagging pooch. Shirtless Kali didn't see that one coming. Kali climbing a cage at 44, didn't see that one coming. Wheelchair Kali, I probably would have took the over on that, right? And it's not only that. How about 2017? Donald Trump's president and the great Kali helped Jinder Mahal retain the WWE. Imagine hearing that sentence before last November. I got two things. Which thing do you think would be less likely if someone said this to you at the beginning of 2016? (laughs) One, Donald Trump will be president. Or two, in July of 2017, the great Kali will interfere in a match allowing Jinder Mahal to retain the WWE championship. I think Jinder as champion might be more unlikely than the Donald Trump scenario, which obviously 
obviously came to fruition here. I mean, Bri, the Punjabi prison, you couldn't even see what was going on. It was an utter dreadful bore. Yes, it, the ending made you excited, but I'm convinced that the only reason that you liked the ending was because we joked about it last week and it was like, oh my God, could you? do you think they might actually do this? Because it's going to be so bad. And then they actually did it. It was as if I was watching WCW, buddy, in the mid-90s again. It was terrible. Well, let's just say this, though. Booking-wise, outside of a cash-in, which I still think the Baron Corbin cash-in should come at SummerSlam, my personal opinion. Outside of a cash-in tonight, we didn't want to see Orton Mahal, right? It was already kind of a fail that they booked this. So putting it in a Punjabi prison at least gave it something different, one— and two, this was the right finish. It was the right finish to bring in, to, to keep the belt on Jinder, obviously, but to bring in another use of outside interference. You can kind of come back and say, look, I'm already tired of Jinder. I'm already tired of Jinder needing help to win. But really, that's the reality here because Jinder isn't good, so he does need help to win. And the one big spot that's going to stand out from this match, of course, is Samir Singh, who took a, wow. a Shane McMahon from a helicopter-like fall, right? Like, like a <laughs> WrestleMania 32-like uh, fall. Through... Except Shane no-sold the helicopter bump, and Samir Singh had to sell that table bump. By the way, shout out on that helicopter. Hel speaking of helicopter bumps in that interview when that when that woman was like, "Are you you're Vince McMahon's son, right?" Like I love those moments, right? <laughs> Shane had to eat it. Yes, I am. You know, he had to, he had to, he had to eat a little crow in that moment. No, Samir Singh is going to be eating a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of uh, you know a lot of maybe like a I don't know sore back. I just said I need a Because he, I mean, that guy went went right through the table. That's a hellacious spot off the top of the Punjabi bamboo, which is really what is that? You know, 15, 20 feet in the air. That's a legit spot. If they didn't have the weapons in between the cages and that final sequence where Randy's showing off that hard way or left arm injury and there's blood coming out. Really, there would have been no way to cover up this match. No way for me to even be allowed to pop for Kali. They had enough little moments to string it together. But what an abject failure of a card. Before we even get any deeper in this card, can we, can we grade this thing out front? I want to hear what you guys have to say. How do you – give me a letter grade to this card. I'm sure – assuming you're agreeing with me this is the worst pay-per-view card WWE could put out in this calendar year. Oh, it, it's, it's going to be the worst. I'm going to give it a D-, and the only reason that it doesn't get an F – is because of the tag match, which we'll get into a little later. The opening match of the card was sensational. That's the only thing that stops it from being an F. I can't go D minus because I loved the tag match, and we'll talk about it. That's an A match to me. I liked the result of the women's match, and I'm not going to go through my whole thing, but I can't give it a D minus. That's borderline worst pay-per-view of all time. I'll it's go close. D. I'll go D plus. Yeah, I he goes, I can't go D minus because it's the worst, but uh, that's yeah, two great tires. It, it's two great tires. So we thought it was it was terrible and it was terrible. And you've heard the expression, guys, 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. Well, the John Cena Rusev match was a 20 minute match that went on 18 minutes too long. You want to talk Borfest here? Like the cure for insomnia, like scientists have been trying to find it forever. You know how you cure insomnia? You take a really tired person and you make him watch a John Cena versus Rusev, American, Bulgarian flag match good god i will never get that time back that i spent watching that train wreck i mean what year are we in what year are we in like we talked about last week that we're even having uh flag matches at this point that we're doing the super cena booking i mean there was a there was a way to redeem that match and that match was so slow so predictable so plodding it, almost to the point that you can't even commend them for a couple physical spots late because it was just you know it was like like you know, said getting getting served a plate of crap and putting some nice spices on the top it doesn't matter at that point it 
it, it's just it was all crap, really. The best way they could have done it, right, was have a run in, have a swerve finish where Rusev actually goes over, and they're like, oh, where are we going here? No, it was typical All American Cena on a non All American holiday. Once again, why is the New Day wearing All American clothes? Did Vince wake up and not realize it's not July Fourth? Did he have like the wrong week on his calendar? Is that why we're doing all this build to this to this flag match? What an abject failure! Insulting our intelligence for for going back to. Typical Cena, Super Cena booking for no reason. We know he's going to do big things at SummerSlam. We know this is an in-between. So this is the best you can come up with with an in-between angle. This sucks. And then sort of when you just look at the way the match breaks out and the way that there's no attention to detail whatsoever, okay? Like, WWE, Lana's no longer by Rusev's side. We know that she's trying to wrestle and it's another topic to itself that's failing. You're just not going to explain why she's not by Rusev's side anymore. It's like this glaring thing that just sticks out at you. Like the, like the, like the light just shines out at you, blinding you. Like, guys, could somebody talk about why I'm being blinded by this light? She's not there anymore, and it doesn't make sense when she was at least 30% of what made him so good. And then something that the Silver King pointed out to me over email that I once I saw that I couldn't look past, you got the Bulgarian flag in a flag match, and you're putting Rusev in his old... Russia, red, white, and blue trunks. No, you know, no attention to detail there. Basically, from start to finish, they said to us, unless you're six years old and you're wearing a You Can't See Me t-shirt, you have no reason to care about this match. But like you said, Nick, instead of ending it in eight minutes and having a big spot where Rusev goes through a table, no, they stretched it out. 20 minutes. We talk about the comical moments in a ladder match where guys are slowly crawling up the ladder and those smart mark fans hold up a sign in the crowd that says climb faster and we all laugh how many slow moving moments put the flag in the damn stand and get us out of here why am i even talking about this right now nick come on i mean this is ridiculous brian campbell you were blinded by the light this match went on too long into the middle of the night it was so so freaking bad and if you're rusev at this point like, you're DOA. Like, your gimmick, you are dead on arrival at this point. The best part about all of this is, like, imagine you're Rusev. This gender push was originally meant for Rusev. It goes to gender instead, and what does Rusev get as a consolation prize? He gets to job to John Cena once again. And you've got the broadcast team that literally sound like it's, like, state propaganda, putting this over as, like, a win for America. No one cares. No one cares about Bulgaria. Newsflash. And that's not a bad thing for the Bulgarians here. There's no natural rivalry. <laughs> it never made sense from the beginning. A 20-minute flag match with Rusev and Cena, and of course Super Cena goes over in the end. God damn, what a waste of time that was. You want to talk more about waste of time, Brian? How about the ending of the United States Championship match? And this might have been the most egregious out of everything that happened on this card that was bad. Because you've got a great worker in AJ Styles. A great worker in Kevin Owens. And what do you do? You produced an overbooked pile of crap that ends in dubious fashion with a stupid, or, or both of their shoulders down, double pin that results in Kevin Owens winning the United States Championship. Why did he lose it at the house show if he was just going to win it back? I mean, I, I just got so many. I feel like I'm like Frank Costanza right now on Festivus. I've got so many issues with all of you right now, and none of it makes any damn sense. Yeah, look, this ended up being a night of surprises to a certain degree in terms of the first half of the card was booked in finishes that we ne we didn't see coming. This wasn't a good use of that in terms of booking the didn't in the way we didn't see coming. Because you know what we saw coming as we entered it here? We saw an under uh, an Owen Styles uh, feud that is underachieved because WWE has shown us that they don't care about it. But the silver lining was, hey guys, when AJ 
faces off with Nakamura at SummerSlam, man, it's going to be hot fire because if you watch that Money in the Bank sequence, that was hot fire. You know what we didn't get out of here? A guarantee that we're going in that direction. And we still probably will, right? Even though at the same time the Nakamura match, which we're going to talk about, ended in a little bit of a weird way as well. For all we know, next week, AJ and KO are going to put a bonnet on what they just did, and we're going to see AJ and Nakamura anyway, and all this anger today won't matter. Let's hope. But how they ended this match, I can't even believe I gave this match a B-, because in hindsight, it, I, I gave it to it because the, the talent there, and there was a, a stretch of near falls, but in the way that this was booked, the finish stunk, okay? The, the, the changing over of titles leading up to this now stinks when you have a finish like this. You said it best. What is this saying? Where, where are we going? We're going nowhere. This, this was the most disappointing because this was a match that, had they put any thought into it, they could have said, hey, KO and AJ, just save the card. Give us four and a half stars. You know what you were doing at Backlash when you were on your way to four and a half stars? Let's let it go a little bit longer. No, we're going to abruptly pull the plug again. I didn't necessarily... Right, just roll the ball out there onto the court and let Michael Jordan and LeBron James win the game for you. But they couldn't do that. They had to make them run the triangle. Like, what the hell were they doing? You know, in, in, it, did, it didn't prove to be created in trading, in trading finishers at the end. You want to see KO tapping out when the referee's down? That would have been a nice spot, right? You, that would have told a little bit more of a story. He didn't tap out. He, he swerved it into two other finishes. You can see the referee, who's supposed to be out constantly looking up to get his cue on when he's going to come back in. It just, look, here's the, I don't want to go, I don't really want to talk about New Japan tonight. Even though, okay, here's the reality. Reality, all I want to do right now is talk about New Japan because G1's so hot. As you're, talk, as you're talking right now, Bri, I've got something that I'm going to relate to New Japan here. You go first and then I'll go here. Uh, so, so my point is, in reality, all I want to talk about is New Japan right now because it's on my mind. These are the matches I want to see. But it, we're staying in the WWE globe. But here's the thing. WWE does certain things in their matches that you would never do in New Japan because New Japan presents itself as almost real. And that's part of the reason why it hulks and why it feels so good. There's certain things that we accept in WWE that's extra theatrical because they're so good at painting the layers and making it look so great. This was the ending of this match, however, was more par for the course of the whole card, which just felt like you talk about roll out the balls. All right. Uh, one year in high school, I had the football coach, all right? The great Coach Peters as my gym teacher. And we had a saying called Coach Peters style, roll out the balls. Because you know what he did every day for gym teach? Jim, he didn't teach gym. You know what he did? He took a bag of basketballs. He walked out to the floor. He threw them on the floor. And he turned around and went downstairs to his office and, and charted out more X's and O's for the football game that week. Didn't give a crap what's going on. He totally rolled out the balls. Nick, like you mentioned, that was the booking for this entire card. Why am I giving KO and AJ this? much time when this match stunk and I don't know where they're going and frankly I don't care because they haven't given us reason to care that's the bottom now, this line. was Brian this was WCW this was a WCW finish it was sloppy the referee looked like he didn't know what he was doing what was the reason for the ref bump I mean Kevin Owens didn't tap out like you said maybe that would have been cool we got none of that here you gave it a B minus I'm going to give the match an F, and it's not a disrespect to Owens or AJ Styles. It is a total slight at the way that this was laid out, the poor story of this match, the poor way that it was booked. And I'm going to say this now. The one thing that I'm not going to tolerate for, for fans of this podcast coming at us here, I got a couple tweets tonight from people saying, oh, if the Punjabi prison was New Japan, you guys would love it. Here's the thing. The three of us are lifelong WWE fans. We are WWE fans first and foremost. And what we are going to do is shoot it to you straight. 
This is the straight talk right now. The G1 tournament blew Battleground absolutely out of the water, and it's not even close. And we're not saying that for effect or for attention. We're saying it because it's true. And you know what else is true? If Kevin Owens and AJ Styles had a wrestling match at the G1, it would have been four and a half, five stars. But since it was a Battleground tonight, and it was booked in crappy fashion, like it was WCW, Vince Russo, and Ed Ferrara writing on the back of a piece of toilet paper, we got that garbage <laughs> in the United States Championship match, as opposed to something actually good with two good performers what a novel concept who would have thunk it and real quick now, we'll say here Brian. go well, ahead uh, red shoes uno by the way you would not have had the camera on him catching him looking up and waiting for his spot uh, on when to come back to life as a referee all right that's all i'm saying i don't know who that referee was all right i didn't get my kids tra trade wwe trading cards they find referee cards in the right away they try to throw them away i go no no just to completely pull that back i don't know what referee that was on that trading card but guess what you got caught on camera like four times looking and checking your spot it just it's just crap it's just crap all the way around I can't believe that we live in a world where the women's champion, women's elimination match for the number one contendership was better than AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. But guys, here we are. And also in a world where the great Kali comes out and helps Jinder Mahal retain the WWE championship. It's all happening. With no moves. Over and picks are flying. With no man boobs in 2017, the great Kali's. This is like the biggest <laughs> shock of the night for me. He's on the big show workout plan, apparently. Great Khali looks great. Doesn't move well and can't talk, but I'll tell you what, he looked pretty good <laughs> sauntering down uh, sauntering down the ramp. But this women's match, you heard Silver King say it, and buddy, I agree with you, man. This match was pretty damn good. I think better than it really had any right to be. And I thought the right woman won. Natalia going over, Natalia Naomi now coming up at SummerSlam. Um, I thought this was the second best match of the night behind the tag match, Bri. Yeah, I, I want to throw this right over the Silver King because he was the one who was hitting me up before the finish going, you know what? Probably makes sense here for Natalia to go over. I could see good things happening. In that moment, I'm like, yeah, you know, this title stinks. They've watered it down. They have. They committed all the sins leading up for this match for this match to stink. Silver King, though, in the end, I kind of went, it's pretty well booked. No one got in the way. It was pretty smooth across the board. I liked all the eliminations. How did we get here? This, is, this, was, this was like the revelation of the night. How did this happen? Yeah, you know, I like the the eliminations. I like the story they told with Lana and Tamina Snuka, just because at least they're telling the story. We you we just said this. Forgot if it was this past week's podcast or two weeks ago. We said, how can they fix the women's division? Tell stories that don't have to do with the title, and they did that in that match. They told it with Charlotte. They told it with Tamina Snuka, Lana, and Becky Lynch, and others. Things going. I want to say this about Natalia. So this whole women's revolution is going on, and she has been there throughout the entire thing as the veteran, and they haven't really given her any credit. She's been in WWE for nine years. She's held the title for two months, and it was the Divas Championship, and it was a forgettable reign. And the fact that I'm telling you it right now, you probably didn't even remember that she had the belt. So what we have an opportunity to see right now is Natalia Neidhart, nine years in WWE, coming up on 10, possibly winning the Women's Championship at SummerSlam. And look, she's not Charlotte. She's not Becky Lynch. She's not even Naomi in terms of young fans getting excited about her. But you know what? As someone who's been watching WWE for a long time, I'm down with an Natalia title reign, and I'm down with her getting her moment at SummerSlam. So for that reason, plus the stories they told, I love the match. I, I like it because I'm it, with them here, Bryce. Yeah, well, like it wasn't it. predictable, Nick. Right? The predictability here was Charlotte going over to fix all the prior sins. This was a nice little slide in surprise in that regard. Nick, do you have any thoughts on my my hope? for a relationship here between Tamita and Lana. You know I hate, and the word here is hate, Lana experimenting as a wrestler. Because, guys, it's not working. And, by the way, it waters down her hotness. Much hotter in those in those business casual outfits oh, she, she's God. pulling on Absolutely. than these ridiculous things she's trying to pull off now. 
But there's an unspoken, undefined relationship. And I thought Tamina and Lana actually worked together well in the ring where I was calling for the Tamina running during the Cena Rusev match because she it worked in there. I, but isn't it awesome, by the way, that like when they actually ran the Russia angle with with Vladimir Putin, like if like Putin wasn't as much as a heel, and now they're doing the Bulgarian thing, and Lana's a failed wrestler in the ring now in 2017 when Putin's actually relevant, you can't make this stuff up. But Silver King, you're right, buddy, because I think Natalia is going to go over at SummerSlam, and what you have in Natalia is a strong heel champion. She can talk a little bit. She works her ass off in the ring. She's a good worker, and you can have Becky Lynch and Charlotte and the other faces chase a heel champion in Natalia. So I give full marks to this women's match, in my opinion, the second best match on the card. We're going to get to the best match coming up in a little bit. That was the opener, the tag match, but first, Shinsuke Nakamura and... Baron Corbin, this one ends in a disqualification. Baron Corbin, a low blow to Nakamura as it looks like Nakamura about to hit his finishing move, the Kinsasha, and win. I would say this match, Brian Gable, didn't really do that much for yours truly. Not great. Well, the, I thought, though, booking-wise, they got out of it the right way because, look— they didn't give us a reason to, be, to care about this match coming in. The match was okay. What they did to compensate for the lack of chemistry between them, and there wasn't any, and lack of athleticism between them, right? And th this isn't the best matchup in terms of giving you a great match. At the very least, they were physical. They were stiff. And the ending allowed them to get out of this, I thought. If they want to get out of this and send Shinsuke into that AJ feud that I talked about, then guess what? He took a, a, a victory, got beat down, but you wanted to sort of save Corbin. We talked last week. They didn't need to save Corbin here. He could have lost cleanly, but with that money in the bank, he still holds value because he can cash that in at any time. He's a heel. It all worked out. They decided to book him strong. I thought it worked great. The reverse kick to the crotch, I thought that was a, a nice touch in terms of ways to get him out of this match. All in all, was it good? No. But for where it was going, and it wasn't going to be good anyway, they at least allowed Corbin to get over. You sustain Nakamura. He doesn't lose anything for getting beaten down by, by a dirtbag in this spot. You put over Corbin who he is, an absolute dirtbag. I don't have much to complain about this match besides the fact that it was another one where they didn't give us any reason to care, and I just hope it doesn't go on moving forward. End this thing. Now cut the cord. Speaking of cut the cord, hey, Baron Corbin, you might want to cut your hair or shave your head, buddy, because that hairline's going back, 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 back each and every week. It's like a medical anomaly. I've never seen anything like it. And I want to bang on the Philly crowd a little bit. The Philadelphia crowd is usually sensational, and you want to say it was a bad card. It was. But Nakamura and Corbin, correct me if I'm wrong, went on second after that electric tag match to open, and that crowd was dead during the Nakamura-Corbin match. And I said maybe it was the rest holds at the beginning, but that match was not that terrible, and it would have been a lot better if the crowd had been behind it like the crowd should have been because that match was really not that bad and not that bad means you don't get a lot of time on the in this corner instant analysis to recap so let's get on to a match that deserves all the praise in the world the new day beating the usos for the tag team championships at minimum to me bry this was a four-star match i know the silver king loved it as well yeah i gave it a b plus in our letter grade scoring system and i felt that it, it was adequate in the sense it was a really good match i don't think i think it was grade. missing some of the things that would elevate it up to an a and maybe you could say over them all my little jaded from watching one fantastic NJPW match after another this weekend, including guys that weren't expected to give you fantastic matches that just told great stories and did. Maybe, yes, this one, of course, had that energy of near fall after near fall. The finish itself was incredible. I don't think it's a... It's a, it's a uh, 
it's an issue to give it a B plus because I really liked it. The surprise turn was good here. I say a little bit of a surprise. It could have gone either way, right? It doesn't affect, in my money, if you're going to carry this out through SummerSlam, who has the belts in this spot? I liked the, the little bit of surprise to put it on the new day, and I thought what you had here with the with the constant near finishes was was a great way to kick off the card. We said coming in this had the potential to be the match of the night. It carried it all the way through. When you put these guys together, they're doing fantastic work in the tag team division and a SmackDown side where there hadn't been a lot of focus on the tag team division. I don't want this feud to end. And it's rare for us to say that about anything. Look up and down this card of Battleground. Every feud either shouldn't have continued or we really hope it's going to end tonight. I just want to see more of this moving forward. I'll say this. One of us predicted this finish, and that was the Silver King. This was an A match, period. Uh, you don't get a lot of A tag team matches because – Usually you're looking for weird combinations of main eventers that play together or you're dealing with a ladder match, some type of stipulation. This was an A match, period. It's my favorite current feud in WWE on both brands. Yes, including Strowman and Reigns and all that. It's my favorite feud because it's they're great matches. They're great on the mic together. They're, there's actually built-in storyline. And guess what? Like you just said, we're about to see the third or fourth incarnation of this at SummerSlam. And I, it's it, it's not probably not going to steal the show, but it's going to be one of the best matches on the card. Let me give one guy some shine here, and that guy is Xavier Woods because yep. he does not get a lot of ring action as part of New Day. He does get some, usually on TV shows, not often on pay-per-views, but they picked the right two New Day members in Kofi and Xavier Woods. He had two opportunities to nail that springboard elbow drop, one of which missed on purpose, the other one he absolutely nailed to win the match. This guy has improved in the ring every single year that he's been in WWE, and right now he's as good in the ring as Kofi and Big E is in his ability to sell that he can win or retain a tag team championship. So congrats to Xavier Woods. Great match overall. Tag team wrestling belongs in WWE and them stripping all these teams and breaking them all down. It's only killing the product. I've got a few notes on this. Number one, Adam's right. That was an A match. I thought it was spectacular. And Brian, I, will, I, I do think that, let's say that that match was at the G1. That was in the New Japan match. We'd be talking about it like it was like it was phenomenal. Like that was that was good for WWE, New Japan, ECW, WCW, AWA. That was a really, really, really good match. Totally agree with Adam. When I first saw that it was Xavier Woods, I was like, eh, I don't know about this here because I really like Big E. It really did work. And I will go so far to say that that was the best in-ring performance that I've seen of Xavier Woods' career. Of course, his best out-of-ring performance involved Paige, Brad Maddox, and a camera. <laughs> Story for another time, but a really great match with the New Day and the Usos. Two more quick notes for us here. Um, do we have anything that we want to get into with the Sami Zayn beating Mike Kanellis match other than Mike Kanellis' music being outstanding and his new ring attire with the the jacket with Maria painted on it and all the uh, the hearts on it like it's like he's ravishing Rick Rude or something. I thought that was pretty cool, and I'm obsessed with Mike Kanellis' theme song. Yeah, I didn't like that this match slid into popcorn status because it, in the end, I don't really think it was that great of a match. It was basically a recycling of the SmackDown storyline they had. It, well, that's the at best. At best, it was fine. Not that it really, really, let's be honest, not that it deserves a lot more. We like the, we like the presentation of what the Kanellis' are doing it didn't deserve a lot more it, it lived and died in popcorn right there but i went to the store today at walmart all right my kids always tell me hey dad when you go to walmart check for for wwe trading cards they had 50 percent off a whole line of 2013 and 2014 cards i pop for that i'm like oh guys this is great these are cards you don't have we go home I, we're pulling out on the table we start trading them big father son bonding moment they go dad what's that card who's that guy it's the 2013 raw 
we just fired our GM Brad Maddox card, and it's uh, <laughs> Stephanie and Triple H and Brad Max Face. They go, Dad, who's this guy and what does he do? I go, son, he's more historically relevant right now than he'll ever be for the rest of his career, and that's all you need to know. I'll take this card from you right here, and I'll put it in my binder. So Brad Maddox had, a, had his moment in my house today. He had his moment in, uh, in David Woods' house, and uh, he'll probably never have a moment again. So they lived and died right there. It's funny you said the Rick Rude tights thing. I actually didn't think that about Mike Kanellis. I thought it about Aiden English, who I don't know what painting it was. It was a really famous painting, but he had tights that were exactly like Rick Rude's tights, except instead of like Rick Rude's painting spray paint on them, it was this really famous painting. So it's just funny that I had that exact same thought earlier in the night. All right, now that we've referenced Aiden English on this podcast, I think that probably means it's time to go. So closing thought here, and I said it last week, and I will take an L on this one, guys, because I was wrong. When the pay-per-view kicked off, guess what I found myself being forlorn over and found myself missing a little bit? The pyro to open the show. I actually was sitting there thinking, hmm, I kind of missed the pyro just now. So I said last week, eh, not that big a deal. I did kind of miss it tonight, and it did sort of take away some of that that big match feel, which set the stage for a brutal pay-per-view. Yes or no question, Silver King, worst pay-per-view of this year? Yes. Brian, worst pay-per-view you've ever seen in your life, yes or no? No, I, I lived through WCW in the 90s, so that would be not true. It is this year, but I think the spinoff question is, what does that mean? And it's a, a disappointing me. It, what it means is disappointment. Here's why, Nick and Adam. You know SmackDown, since the brand split last summer, had been the better show overall. Consistency, that first six to nine months, fantastic. You know what the last four to five months have been for SmackDown? Completely forgettable. Hasn't been bad, right? But it's been completely forgettable and that's it's not bad it's and that's not where smackdown needs to be because that's where smackdown was for the previous three or four years you know what smackdown was three years ago it was a spot for our truth to get his full intro and actually get a match that's what it was unfortunately we're back there again Great Balls of Fire, which was the last Raw pay-per-view heading into SummerSlam, was fire to the point that it will hold you over for almost a month and a half heading into SummerSlam. It doesn't matter in reality if the two pay-per-views leading into SummerSlam are bad. SummerSlam is SummerSlam. They're going to roll out their, their, their best booking. They're not going to coach Peters and roll the balls out. They're going to give you their, their second best booking of the year, meaning WWE. But to come off of the last pay-per-view heading in, have it be a SummerSlam one, have it be completely disappointing, and then you look back four, five, six, seven episodes in a row of, Summer, of, of SmackDown Live have not been good. Pretty disappointing uh, overall on a whole. I don't know what the turn, the downward turn was, what the change was. Was it Cena leaving our TV? I guess we can't say that because Cena came back and it's stunk so far, d despite however the ratings must have been boosted. But, you know, SmackDown was kind of like our savior. Like, a, hey, they get it. They're doing old school booking. They're consistent. They're leading somewhere. They're not leading anywhere anymore. And if you just need one example, just look at AJ and KO over the last four months. It's gone nowhere. It went nowhere tonight. Disappointing turn of events. Ross still handles the big moments well. SmackDown, you're killing me. I don't know if that's Road Dog. I don't know if I can call, call out the dog, the D-O-double-G right now in, in Michael P.S. Hayes, but I'm a little disappointed headed into SS next month. In this corner podcast, Pro Wrestling Edition coming up this Wednesday, including our pay-per-view rewind, the main event of Uncensored 96. Now, Brian, the majority of our listeners for this instant analysis pod will hear it Monday morning, sometime on Monday. So what else can the listeners look forward to this week in this corner outside of Pro Wrestling coming up on Wednesday? Uh, the MMA edition will be big heading into UFC 214. That's John Jones, Daniel Cormier, the rematch, a couple of years in the making, of course. We'll have the voice of the UFC, John Anik himself, break that down. Boxing, we've got a lot of big guests coming at you. Big boxing weekend as well going up against UFC 214. Former welterweight champ Victor Ortiz will join us. Also, 
Pat Militich, the, the MMA Hall of Famer, the former UFC champion, he's going to break down Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, break it down from an interesting standpoint, from an MMA standpoint, on how Conor might be able to win this. Definitely another loaded week in the ITC you don't want to miss. All right, it's 12.45 a.m. now on the East Coast. I'm tired, and I'm going to go to bed. For the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am Handsome DeCostos. You've been listening to the Instance Analysis WWE Battleground Edition of In This Corner with the man whose name is on the marquee, Brian Campbell. Bri, my head's about to hit the pillow. Give us those two words to take us out. Uh, I guess it's we out. <laughs> <laughs>